0: Well, that was great singing, wasn't it? When we all see Jesus, when we all see Jesus. Well, we're going to read this morning about some people who saw Jesus, and uh, we'll see there a little foretaste, perhaps, of when we all see Jesus. Matthew chapter seventeen, verses one to thirteen. Matthew chapter seventeen, and after. It is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain... Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And this is the word of God that we've just read. It's a precious thing, isn't it, to read the word of God together. And we're just going to consider this passage together. If you want to put a head, head over it this morning, we'll call it, See No One But Jesus Only. I wonder what the most memorable experience you've ever had. Yes, we've all had memorable experiences, maybe a day in our life that we know we'll never forget. And that day will be different for each one of us, you know. It might be a big, you know, calendar event or life-changing event that you know find that whatever else you forget, you'll never forget that experience. So, or maybe it was, maybe it was a day where you went somewhere that you've always wanted to go. Or it was a day where you met someone that you'd always wanted to meet or met somebody really exciting or famous. You know, I don't know. I should have, I should have asked my wife this before I got up here. But I, I know that one day that she, she certainly remembers, not saying it's the most memorable day in her life, right? But, you know, was one day when we were out, when we lived in Glasgow, and we had a little... Uh, some, some of us from the church we were in in Glasgow had a little Christian book stall that we took out to the local Bears Den and Mulgay Highland Games. So we had set up this stall and we had some Bibles and some leaflets and booklets and so on. And people would come up and take some stuff or we had a little sort of giant Jenga game that you, you, you could do and then you could, you, you, you could uh, win a John's Gospel which was even more popular than just taking one for free. Anyway, we're doing all this stuff and uh, then we stood there and we saw somebody that we thought we recognised, standing at the at the stall, uh, at the table. And we kind of nudged each other and says, that's Paul Robinson off of Neighbours, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> what was he doing at this Bear Stemble Guy Highland Games? And we're like, right, who's going to ask him if he's Paul Robinson? So I was so like, hey, uh, take anything you want, you know. Uh, and uh, he, he, he said, yeah, I'm just uh, having a look at what you got here. And of course, not only did it look like, Paul Robinson off of Neighbors he sounded like Paul Robinson off of Neighbors cuz I said can I ask you a really stupid question I said Are you Stefan Dennis and he says yeah at which point Sonia appears and says hi can I shake you can I shake you by the hand and uh, <laughs> yeah um she, 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 she was excited to meet Stefan Dennis. Um, so, uh, so, so there we go. I, I think Sonia always remembers that. For, for me, visiting the UCB radio studios and meeting some of the UCB radio presenters, that was, quite a, that was probably my kind of equivalent, and that was quite, quite cool and quite exciting. But basically, we've all had unforgettable experiences in life. Now, I'm going to say, for Peter, James, and John, this passage that we read... The experience that it describes is something that they would never forget. In fact, I know find that Peter would recall it years later, and he would write about it in his second letter, Second Peter, chapter one. He talks about this, and he says, "You know, he, he, he remembers this. You know, Second Peter one is sixteen to eighteen, and he, 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 he talks about." Uh, uh, how that the, the, he remembers we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received glo- honour and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain and Peter's saying years later I can't forget this event I was there I saw it and he would never forget it so we're going to look at this passage this morning under two headings. Overall header for the message if you like. See no one but Jesus only. We look at Jesus the glorious one. Because we see his glory revealed in the first uh, eight verses. And then we're going to look at Jesus the suffering one. Because we see actually that as they're coming down the mountain. And you know Peter, James and John. They must have been just full of this experience. And actually the Lord Jesus says yeah. something got to come first. Before the glory they're suffering. He talks about his death and his resurrection. So we look at Jesus, the glorious one, verses one to eight. Jesus, the suffering one, verses nine to thirteen. So we read it, didn't we? You know, the Lord Jesus takes Peter and James and John, three disciples, and there were a few occasions where they were specifically selected out to, you know, out of out of the twelve to come and be privy to uh, to some things. And this was one of those occasions, and uh, they go up this high mountain. And it must have been a really remarkable sight, mustn't it? As the Lord Jesus was transfigured before them. The the word that's used to describe it is kind of the word for metamorphosis. And it's the idea of a change on the outside that comes from the inside. And you see from the passage what it was like. His face shone like the sun. You know, this wasn't just some sort of reflection of the sun off his face or something. His face shone, the Lord Jesus' face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light. I mean ordinarily as he walked about on the face of this earth, there would have been nothing physically that would have made you made him look different from anyone else. But in this moment, his glory the inherent glory of who he is, God the Son is revealed and is shining forth. It tells us who he is. It also It's a little foretaste to, you know, when he will in a future day be fully revealed in all his glory. So he's transfigured before them and his face shines like the sun. His clothes become white as light. It must have been quite the experience for Peter, James and John. And uh, then Moses and Elijah appear. Now Moses and Elijah, of course, had lived many many years before and here they are and they appear and they're talking with the Lord Jesus and you might think well why Moses why of all the characters I mean you could read through the Old Testament you can read about Moses you read a lot about Moses you can read about Elijah but there's lots of other characters and you know why Moses why Elijah well one of the things when we look at Moses one of the things that we think of is the law God's law which was which was given to Moses and passed on to the people. And then we look at Elijah, and of course, Elijah was representative of the prophets. And here in the Lord Jesus, we have the one who perfectly fulfilled both the law, which was represented by Moses, and the prophets, as represented by Elijah. You know, the Lord Jesus, the only one who the, the only perfect man who ever lived. The only one who perfectly fulfilled God's law. Do you know, as we look at God's law in the Old Testament, it tells us one thing pretty much. It tells us that we fall short and we can never deserve a place in heaven in our own right. It tells us that we need a saviour. But the Lord Jesus perfectly fulfilled God's law. And then we look at Elijah, the representative of the prophets. And we actually were reminded that the big message of the Old Testament is a message that looks forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And the prophets revealed basically in the Old Testament messages from God. And not all of those messages were telling of what would happen in the future, but a lot of them were. And they talked of how that God would send one who would be, I mean, hey, think on, think on Isaiah, for example, you know, one who would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and uh, surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows And all we like sheep have gone astray and we've turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And it's not just Isaiah, although there's a lot in Isaiah that looks forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus. But time after time after time, as we look at the Old Testament prophecies, looking forward to God sending the one who would be the Savior, the Messiah. And we see them fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Not just one or two prophecies, not just something that you could say, oh, well maybe that's just a coincidence that he happened to do those things that were written about that, 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 that the 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 Messiah would do. But time after time after time right from right from his birth right from where he would be born right from his life right through To his death, time after time after time, the Lord Jesus fulfilled what was prophesied of him in the Old Testament Scriptures. So here as we see the Lord Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah, we see in the Lord Jesus the one who perfectly fulfilled God's law, absolute perfection. And the one who perfectly fulfilled what was prophesied that he would do. Because he is the one whom... God promised he would send. Now, I'm not surprised that Peter didn't quite know what to say in this situation. You know, Peter was always the one who liked to jump in there and, you know, say something. And uh, I don't blame him for not quite knowing what to say in this situation. He's facing the Lord Jesus, seeing his face shining like the sun, his clothes white as light. Moses and Elijah there is talking. And Peter... I don't know, maybe he just wants this moment to... Maybe he just wants to say something. Maybe he just wants this moment to last. And he says, do you know what? How's it about? If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Don't quite know what to say. But while the words are still coming out of his mouth, something that adds to the wonder of this whole scene takes place. Because... God comes in all his glory. A bright cloud overshadows them. And a voice from the cloud says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. As Peter's saying, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make three tents. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. God comes and speaks. God the Father comes and envelops the situation in all his glory. And that must have been an awesome, awesome sight. Bright cloud, we probably can't quite imagine. Maybe we you know, we don't quite get how awesome that must have been as God comes in all his glory and personally speaks a voice from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We've heard those words before, haven't we? I don't know if you remember. Back in Matthew chapter 3, when the Lord Jesus was baptised and he comes out of the water. And guess what happens? The heavens are opened. The Spirit of God descends like a dove and comes to rest. To him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And God speaks then and he speaks again here. What does he say? This is my beloved Son. We thought about this before. We thought about this when we thought about the baptism of the Lord Jesus. We thought that he's saying, This, God's saying, This is my beloved Son. You know, here he is. This is him. He's actually walking among them, walking among the people. Here's the one who was from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God. And here he is. And he's become flesh. And he's walking amongst, you know, Peter, James and John are there. And they're accompanying with him. And this is God's beloved son. That's who the Lord Jesus is. This is my beloved son. Do you know, he's, he's, not, he's not a fabrication. He's not a theory. People come up with all sorts of theories in this world. And God's saying, this is my beloved son. He's not, he's not been put up there to be debated. He's real and God's saying, this is eternally. He truly exists. This is my beloved son. And he's saying, this is my beloved son. You know, you almost imagine, you, you can see the sort of personal nature of that there, can't you? is not just abstract theoretical terms. God's saying, this is my son. I'm speaking about my own son. You know sometimes we're careful how we talk about someone if we realize that there's somebody who's close to them or related to them, that's listening that's in the room. and God's saying, this, this is my son." And you know, when people would at other points in the, in, in, in the gospel account mock the Lord Jesus, you know it's like God's saying, "This is my son." You know, if people use the name of the Lord Jesus as a, an exclamation of surprise. Take his name in vain. It's if God's saying, this is my son. You know, think of the crucifixion scene. People are venting their hatred against the Lord Jesus. And God's saying, this is my son. And if people are thinking, well, do you know what? I can get, li- I can get through life without him. I don't need Jesus. God's saying, this is my son. And hey, you know what? When you realise that you need to be reconciled to God, when you realise that you need God's forgiveness and you need God's salvation, he's saying here, this is my son. He's given his son for us. He's given his son to be the saviour. To be our saviour. And they he's saying this is my beloved son. Isn't it amazing? You know. God. Didn't send. Some distant representative. As an ambassador or an envoy. When God. Stepped into this world. He gave the dearest he had. He gave his beloved son. You know, the one whom he loves. The Lord Jesus is the only one who could do what the Lord Jesus, what what, what he came to do, who could die for us. God gave the dearest that he could. You know, the one who is actually the revelation of who God is. You know, at the start of Hebrews, we read this. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. God sent his beloved son, who is the revelation of who God is. He's the only son of God. You know, you may remember that well-known verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his, his only son. He His only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that beloved son is the one through whom we can have eternal life. You know, John, at the end of his gospel, he says this as he's drawn things to a close in chapter 20, verse 31. He says, do you know what? Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. God gave his only son, his beloved son, so that we could have life. We could have eternal life. Do you know what? We mentioned earlier about how that if we look at God's law, we come away with really one conclusion, if we're honest, we all fall short, so far short, we deserve God's judgment. And and that's an awful, awful thing to contemplate when we think on the holiness of God and His righteousness and what we deserve His judgment but God gave the dearest he has, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that instead of having that eternal judgment that we deserve, we can have eternal life. We can have forgiveness. We can can be friends with God. We can know God's love. God's love that is, you know, More vast and awesome than we can ever really imagine. So God says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Literally, in whom I found my delight. In whom I found delight. And there's another, I mentioned earlier that the Lord Jesus had fulfilled every prophecy that was spoken of him that was due to be fulfilled at that time. Here's one of them, Isaiah 42 in verse 1. It says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. And God looked at the work of the Lord Jesus. And whether it was as he spoke at the point of his baptism and looked back over those years that we read very little of as he was growing up. And God says, In whom I have found my delight. With whom I am well pleased. Or whether it's now. At this point in his public ministry. Or whatever point God looks at. Whatever aspect God looks at. Here's the verdict. This is my beloved son. With whom I am well pleased. The Lord Jesus. He always brought delight. To the father. No sin in him. He did no wrong. He positively brought delight to the Father. You know, there's a, a chap called Mike Reeves who, I've got some books on my shelf that I must read sometime. But uh, here's one of the things he's said. If the Father can be infinitely and eternally satisfied in Christ, then he must be overwhelmingly all-sufficient for us. You know, more and more, more and more I'm realizing we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus We look around, we'll get discouraged. We'll get worried, we'll get stressed. We might get confused, we might wonder what to believe. We might get, you know, we get hurt, we look at other people, and, you know, every one of us, I'm sure, has had experiences of other people, maybe even other Christians, hurting us. It shouldn't be that way, but we turn our eyes and we look at the Lord Jesus, and we'll never be disappointed. We can be eternally satisfied in him. So God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He can't be put on a par with any other. Do you know what? Even Peter's idea of three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for the Lord Jesus. No, that's kind of putting, them on, putting, you know, putting others on a par with him. That cannot be because the Lord Jesus alone is God's beloved son. Alone is the one who can save. He's the only Savior. And he says, God says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I'm not surprised the disciples, when they hear it, they fall on their faces and are terrified. They're in the presence of the living God. And that must have been an awesome, awesome thing. And they fall on their faces and they're terrified. I love what comes next, verse 7. Jesus came and he touched them and he said, Rise and have no fear. He doesn't leave them in their terror, he doesn't leave them in their fear. He comes and he touches and he says, Rise and have no fear. You know, that's the difference that the Lord Jesus makes in our life. He takes us from a position of fear, of terror, of knowing that we're not ready to face God. Because, you know, we're sinners. How can we? And he takes us and he saves everyone who puts their trust in him. (coughs) Comes and he touches them and says, Rise and have no fear. I remember vividly seeing a demonstration of the difference that Jesus makes. I hope I don't cause cause anyone any upset or difficulty by telling this story. It's a story about when I was working on a ward in a hospital over New Year, a good number of years ago. Lots of very ill patients. And I remember some, you know, some, some big, tough men. And they were terrified to go to sleep in case they didn't wake up. I remember in another room there was a, a lady. She was very, very ill. Actually paralysed because of her condition. And I'm telling this story with her family's permission, by the way. And, uh, you know, she was always so at peace, so peaceful. And I, I, I thought, I said, I said to the nurse, I said, next time the family's up, get them, I want to speak to them. I want to speak to them. I said, I want to check they understand what's going on. And so I met with the family and I chatted with them. And they said, oh, yeah, we know what's going on. They said, you know what? She's not afraid to die. They said years ago, she went to a, a Christian mission. It was a chap called Luis Palau who was speaking. I remember it. In, I read it right before my time in Glasgow, but I remember meeting other folks as well who had been there. And she heard about Jesus. Hey, the relatives didn't know I was a Christian at this point. I'd never met them before. She heard about Jesus. And she became a Christian. She put her trust in Jesus. After that, her sons had become Christians as so they had heard the message and seen the change in her life. And they said, you know what? She knows where she's going, she's not afraid. Wow. That was the difference, wasn't it? That was the difference. That knowing that that's that's where it really you know the reality hits in isn't it? She truly was hearing that word of Jesus rise and have no fear, and when she faced what ultimately came, she faced it with peace and it was it was a powerful, powerful testimony that. So Jesus comes and touches them and says, rise and have no fear. And the disciples, Peter, James and John, lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. They didn't see Moses. Hey, the law's been fulfilled. They didn't see Elijah. The Lord Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies that are spoken of him. They see no one else but Jesus only. That's what we need to get to, isn't it? Sometimes we let so many things get in the way and we get distracted by other things or we get discouraged by the behaviour of other people. And as I said before, sometimes these people might be Christians and we might carry the hurt of things we've gone through and we've got to turn our eyes and turn our eyes to Jesus and See no one but Jesus only because he's the only one who can save. So they come down the mountain and they must have been full of that experience, mustn't they? I mean, you know, that was going to be an experience to talk about. But not quite yet, actually, because as they're coming down the mountain. As we go from Jesus, the glorious one, to the second part, verses 9 to 13, Jesus, the suffering one. Jesus says, tell no one the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. And they're given a powerful reminder of a truth that the Lord Jesus has introduced to them in the previous chapter. That before the glory comes the cross. And the Lord Jesus says, do you know what? I'm going to suffer. Suffer at the hands of people. He talks about how John the Baptist had had suffered at the hands of people. They'd had him beheaded. And he says you know what I'm going to suffer. And he knew that he was going to go to that cross. And he was going to die. And. uh, He said I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to rise from the dead. And before we get to the glory. We've got to get to the cross. Because it's. It's on that cross that the Lord Jesus did what was needed for us to be saved. It's on that cross that the Lord Jesus, who had no sin of his own, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. God demonstrates his own love toward us, the Bible says, and that while we're yet sinners... Christ died for us and he did that on the cross. That's how much he loved us, that he died for us. Paid the price in full that we could never, ever pay. Remember we talked earlier and I you know, almost hesitate to, to mention it, but we have to, about how we deserve God's judgment. Because of that cross, because of the Lord Jesus on that cross, you never need to face God's judgment. Because he's paid the price and he died and he was buried and he was raised from the dead. Just like he told his disciples he was gonna. And now the question for each one Mm. of us is will you trust in him? Will you say, well, that beloved son, God's beloved son, with whom God is delighted, will you take him? And will you believe in him? Trust in him as your Savior. Follow him. See, the Bible tells us there is no other Savior. You know, not Moses, not Elijah, they saw no one but Jesus only. And here's the challenge for us Will you say, I'm going to see no one but Jesus only? I'm not going to trust in myself or leave it to chance because. We're doomed to failure if we do that. I'm not going to just ignore this and, you know, go through life with my fingers in my ears. Letting the noise drown it out. I'm going to, I'm going to trust in Jesus. Because he loved me so much that he gave himself for me. Do you know what? If you trust in Jesus... If you see no one but Jesus only and you listen to him, listen to what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you listen to him and you trust in him. It's a beautiful thing. You can rise and have no fear. You can take those words that Jesus said to those disciples on that mountain when they were in terror. and You can take them to yourself. And rise and have no fear. You can see no one but Jesus only. Do you know what? The more you get to know Jesus, the more you realise how wonderful he is. Never any disappointment in him. Quite the contrary. Little wonder if the Father found all his delight in him. So can we. Well, you know what? Peter, James and John would never forget that day. But there's a day... There's a day that can be a day on your calendar? If you've never had, if you've never come to know the Lord Jesus and trust him as your saviour, you know, make, make today that day, you know. I'll tell you, it's a day you won't forget because you're going to spend the rest of your life getting to know him and following him and trusting him. And I, I hope and pray that's your experience. Look, We've we've, we've covered a lot of fairly, pretty deep stuff this morning. And I'm just going to loiter at the door at the end. And if anyone wants to chat more about this, just say, hey, can we chat? You know? We'll do that. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you gave. You gave your... Beloved Son, in whom is all your delight, and you gave him for us. We thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing love. We thank you for your Son. Bless everybody here. And if there's anyone who's never come to know the Lord Jesus personally and to trust in him, may they do that today. In his name we ask it. Amen.